strong word and say, hey, not me. The Bible says I am blessed. The Bible says he was made poor that I may become rich. The Bible says I am not weak. The Bible says I am the head and not the tail. Go ahead and reign in life. Go ahead and move mountains. Go ahead and jump. Go ahead and win. Go and make lots of progress in life. Why? It's possible. You are listening to our podcast by Senior Pastor of Life Free Church, Prophet Gomezio Shamani. As we are looking at our last uh, part of the church community, we have looked at many things that the Spirit of the Lord has been addressing in the church, towards his people. And it is constantly vital that we give heed to the sayings of the Spirit. The sayings of the Spirit are not limited to what I've just taught in the past few weeks. Remember the Bible says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying that simply means the spirit of the lord is constantly speaking he didn't just speak he didn't just utter words back then that we should only run with he is constantly supplying counsel direction strength and anything necessary for our good. Now in our last part or last portion of this series teaching, we're going to be looking at two powerful yet important spheres of what the Lord has been giving attention to within the church community. And these two things are the subject of warfare and also the subject of welfare. The subject of warfare and the subject of welfare. One has to do with you being positioned to fight. Yet another has to deal with your general well-being. <clears throat> now while Jesus was on the face of the earth, one of the things that he encouraged the saints, or one of the things that he encouraged his disciples and those that followed him, was to watch and pray. It's very interesting that he would tell them, come with me, let us pray, let us watch. And he would say, pray that you may not fall into temptation. On another moment, he would tell them, pray for this cause, pray for that cause. The hour is at hand, etc. So prayer was a necessity Something that really positioned the people to be advantaged. But remember, he didn't just say pray. He said watch and pray. The aspect of watching had to do with man being alert. The aspect of watching had to do with man having his eyes open to be receptive to the guidance that the Spirit of the Lord is going to give. Habakkuk once said, I stand 
on the tower to watch to see what the Lord will say. So he is watching so that he can observe what the Lord is communicating. Then you can act. So it is very, very vital in such a time as this that we don't only just learn how to pray, but also learn how to watch. Because it is from there that you and I obviously learn how to watch, then we can actually pray. It's a bit shocking sometimes if you ask a believer to pray and they tell you, I don't have what to pray for. And the reason why it's shocking is because you may not have what to pray for because you, have, you are not watching. You are not seeing what you need to pray for. You don't pray. Prayer is not a response to trouble. Prayer is not a response to trouble. Many use that platform of prayer just as a response to trouble. So after they see themselves attacked, then they want to pray. Prayer is more than that. In prayer, you can invest. You can go to the future. You can pray over your life. You can pray of what's coming ahead. In prayer, you can catalyze and speed up processes and formations and manifestations altogether. You can thank God. EDC. Now, Jesus said, watch and pray, because this was a cardinal practice that would help mankind and the church community at large. Now, when he says, watch and pray, the other thing that he said to one of his pioneer people, such as Peter, he said to them that, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And when I build my church, he makes a declaration that the gates of hell will not prevail. Now, from that declaration, we can understand something that even though the gates of hell will not prevail against the church community, nevertheless, the gates of hell will fight the church community and those in it. That's why the place and the understanding of spiritual warfare is important for everyone that is part of the church community. Because to ensure that the enemy does not prevail against us, we must be able to watch and also pray. In Luke chapter number 10 and verse 19, the Bible shows us something very interesting. It showed us the kind of and level of authority that was given to you and I so that we can carry out warfare effectively. Listen to this. The Bible says, Behold, I give you authority. Authority to do what? To trample on snakes, or rather on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So you see a twofold guidance that is given here with how the operation of authority actually works. In the operation of authority, while you are exercising it, the Bible tells us you are able to trample on snakes and scorpions. To trample is to, <laughs> is to step. Some of you have exercise it, not necessarily on snakes and scorpions, but maybe on cockroaches in your houses. So when you see maybe a cockroach, you don't necessarily blow over it. You sometimes step on it or use slippers. That's, that's an example of you trampling 
on a cockroach and how obviously the Lord expects us to deal with snakes and scorpions and every what? Power <laughs> of the enemy. So that exercise is more offensive. But have you observed the Bible actually says, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now that posture has to do with you being defensive. It simply means while you are trampling on snakes and scorpions, you are engaging in offensive warfare, but then there's a place where after you are offensive, even your defense is very, very strong, and you are not a victim. Amen and amen. That is where you also get to understand that if you are going to be defensive, then the enemy in his capacity also seeks to be offensive. No wonder we have scriptures like, No weapon fashioned against me shall do what? Shall prosper. It simply means they devise weapons against you and I. The Lord Jesus Christ was, uh, was encouraging Peter. And he says, Peter, Satan wants to sift you as wheat. He wants to finish you. He's not, he wants to finish you up. He wants to sift you as wheat. But Jesus says, but I have prayed. So the church community will destroy, will pull down demonic activities surrounding the church, but also surrounding the individual lives of the people by prayer. Glory to God. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you are not liked. Tell them you are not liked. Now who doesn't like you? The ones whom the Lord actually advised you to fight with. In Ephesians 6 verse 12, the Bible says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. Different classes of powers, you are wrestling against them. That's what the Bible says. Why are you wrestling against them? Because they don't like you. Whether innocent. Listen. You need to understand. You need to understand something. The Bible gets to tell us this. What is known as the mystery of godliness. But that's a story for another day. When, we when we're going to talk about the mystery of godliness. But before it teaches us on the mystery of godliness. It tells us what is known as the mystery of wickedness. Amen and amen. It tells us what is known as the mystery of wickedness. Now, in the mystery of wickedness, because it is a mystery, this is not something that can be generally accepted by natural reasoning. It simply means when wickedness is in expression, even you, you will be shocked that how can people be so wicked like this? That's how the, that's, you, you'll be, you can be shocked that from, from, from times, from years and years ago, calling Yasatana and Asunga, 
The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Yes. Generations are dying, he is still committed. What is that? That is a mystery of wickedness. Now why are we fighting such an enemy? Because this wickedness is is already in a corrupt state. And if it's in a corrupt state, have you ever had your memory card corrupted? With I mean if it's corrupted then it's corrupted. If you've got a device corrupted then it's corrupted. In most cases you end up throwing. There are some which are so corrupted even when you try to format nothing. It's just gone. No redemption. And that's the mystery of this is how the mystery of wickedness actually operates. It is so corrupt that anyone that is innocent, guilty is hated. Satan is so wicked that he is against even those who are on his side. <laughs> That's how wicked it is. That's how wicked he is. Everyone, you find all those that are working for him in Satanism or whatsoever. It is not for their promotion. It is to their disadvantage and failure. He is that wicked. He will promote you as a queen in his kingdom, yet he knows you will bend together. In short, he is recruiting burning mates. Nevertheless, the Bible tells us, uh-uh, all church of God, you need to rise up that you be positioned in a place where you begin to fight things that are affecting your life, that are affecting your church, that are affecting your family, you need to engage in spiritual warfare. Turn to your neighbor and say, fight. Mm. Now, why must we pray? And why must we trample on snakes and scorpions? Remember the Bible tells us that um, you will, you will, I've given you authority to tread upon snakes and scorpions and all the powers of the enemies. Have you noticed why the analogy is snakes and scorpions? What do you notice in common that a snake and a scorpion has? It's poison. Poison. If you've ever been poisoned before, maybe on the lowest level food poisoning, have you noticed what happens to you? You begin to malfunction. You begin to fail to handle things very well. Amen and amen. You are more, what can I say? You are really disturbed. You are really affected. So, a scorpion and a snake have poison in common. It simply means one of the agendas the enemy likes to initiate against people is to ensure that their lives are poisoned. Now, here is quick wisdom. Before poison kills you, it punishes you. Hello? Before poison kills you, it punishes you. 
So he doesn't first want, have you noticed even when you, we, we talk about the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy? <laughs> why, is he, why is he not killing first? He is stealing first. So that he can punish you, then kill you, then destroy you. <laughs> That's what we call wickedness. And here is somebody who's saying, ah, we, in a, I, 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 I don't fight, I don't do anything, I'm, 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 I'm just, you know, down-to-earth person. Even if you refuse to affiliate yourself with Christianity, you are still a target. Yes. Do you remember the man who had 5,000 demons in the Bible, Luke chapter number 5? Was he an evangelist? No. What was he? A man. What did he used to do? We don't know. How was he beneficial to the kingdom at that time? No, zero. Now one person, 5,000 demons. 5,000. One is already too much. 5,000 demons are there to occupy you, but not just to occupy you, to fight you. Imagine you're fighting 5,000 demons. Muntu Omoz. Muntu tried just to be honest with himself and even just make a living. This, the demons refused. You are not going to stay in your house. Tienku Mountain. They would drag him to the mountain. They try to put handcuffs on him. He removes. They try to put clothes on him. He removes. Ah! You've seen that you need to be demonically inspired to remove clothes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's good that you're catching it. So sometimes how you dress, it's, it's, it's just the number that is there. Maybe they're not yet 5,000. <laughs> Maybe they're called 2,000. And he said, no, I'm feeling hot. It's the demons in you that are feeling hot. Amen and amen. That's why you must step on them. On snakes and scorpions. Say amen. Yes. Jesus one time addresses the church in Pegamos. In Revelation 2 and verse uh, 12. And... You will notice that when he was addressing these seven churches, all of them had different realities altogether. Now, I want you to understand something about this church at Pegamos. This is Revelation chapter number 2 and verse 12. The Bible says, To the angel of the church in Pegamos, right? These things says, He who has the sharp two-edged sword. Wait, before we go to Pegamos, maybe just give me a few scriptures before. Give me the previous church. Uh, you can find it. You can find it. The previous church. Yeah. Now, I want you to notice something. Before Jesus addresses Pegamos, he addresses this church. Smina. And he says to the angel of the church of Smyrna, write these words, saying, 
says, this thing says, the first and the last who was dead came to life. Now, you will notice that Jesus is giving a revelation of himself to each church differently. To this church, he is revealing himself as the first and the last. But when he goes to the church at, at Pegamos, verse 12, he says, write these things saying, he who has the sharp two-edged sword, Ah, then you know kuri warfare. I am the first and the last. He says, I am the sharp two-edged sword. Now listen. Why is he revealing himself like this? Next verse. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. So you need to do warfare, this church. Because your location is where Satan dwells. That's why I tell people, hey, don't fight people's revelations. <laughs> don't fight people's revelations. If your friend is rolling down when praying, <laughs> you, don't, you don't know where they are dwelling. To them, Jesus has revealed themselves as the double-edged sword. For you, you are always calm. You're like me, I'm a calm person. I just like uh, peace, shan, shan. Maybe he's revealed himself as the first and the last. But don't fight the double-edged sword because all is an expression of Jesus. Whether you're going to say, man, disabia, or <laughs> You just understand that, no, this is a side. It's a, it's a side of the Lord. Because there's one moment the Lord will just as a lamb but another moment the Bible says he appears as the lion of Judah who rose praise be to God so Jesus is addressing the church at Pergamos and while he's addressing the church at Pergamos he says I know your works and where you dwell where Satan's throne is then he says, and you hold fast to my name and do not deny my faith even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. It means Vichitigoku. There are even martyrs who die for the sake of the Lord. Glory to God. So he's addressing this church and helping them because this church has spiritual Warfare. Ah. In Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse 12, running around to verse 19, we see how this spiritual warfare will take place. The Bible says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness. Again, a spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. It simply means there are diverse things that you and I are fighting. And you have to be very, very discerning to know that, okay, what I'm fighting needs to be handled this way and that way. Some of you are fighting things that are fighting your destinies. Some of you are fighting things that are fighting your callings. 
Some of you are fighting things that are coming from where you are coming from. I know somebody who was next in line to be on a seat of a certain royal family. The person refused. Ah, and you think the demons will agree? There's no, 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 no. As we operate by blood, as long as you have the blood, you are ours. So they were doing warfare, warfare, warfare. The demons will come in the dream. He says, whether you travel to America, until you come back, a seat has to be occupied. It simply means this one, even though physically is in America, spiritually moves and dwells where the throne of Satan is. And they need to do warfare. Hallelujah. What I'm trying to show you is that within the church community, there is a place where you and I need to engage in spiritual warfare that you may destroy things that want to derail your life. And you have to be serious about those things. No games, no nothing. There's a reason why it told you snakes and scorpions. There is no man on earth that ever kills a snake in all humility. I've never seen that. Snakey. Come, you die. Come. Where? Where? Listen. <laughs> when you see a snake, you remember weapons of warfare. I'm telling you. You remember the importance of weapons of warfare if you've ever seen a snake. Some of you, a weapon of warfare is running away. But anyway, that's... The person speed Elijah. But the first time we ever came across a snake, me and my father, it was in our, in our living room. We remembered we need weapons of warfare. And so we got stones. We got sticks. We got brooms. We had everything. Metal, metal objects. Through the stones we were missing. Through... We made sure we utilized all our weapons. I'm sorry. If you wanted us to say, no, it's, it's, it's bad. Don't, don't, don't kill the snake. It's, it's not good. Now, I want to tell you something. When the snake entered the house, my father was sleeping innocently. And he stretched forth his hand like this while sleeping. Now, while he stretched forth his hand, he felt something like spill on him. Like the snake spat on him. Like, but he don't know. Why are manzi? So it spat on him once, and it spat on him the second time. Now, was my father irritating the snake? He was innocently sleeping in his own house. Nyumbayabo. But the snake came. For what? To start spitting. Who says he needed a shower? So, after the snake spits, he notices this is unusual. 
he wakes up and behold, the snake also wants to stand up. Yeah. It simply means it took action waiting to strike my father. That day, I never, I've never heard my father shout and call for my name. And he lifted his voice, called for my name. And I'm like, what have I done? So he just called for my name. And I quickly rushed. I was on a call and I said, sorry, uh, let me call you back. I think there's an emergency. I rushed to the scene. After I entered, then he told me there's a snake. I said, but why did you tell me from... <laughs> why did you tell me from the bedroom? I was not going to come. <laughs> but I went there and he told me there's a snake. Why is it it's gone under the TV? So now, my problem is the snake should not pass through the other door because if it passes through the other door, it might hide under a bed and we all know who's going to sleep outside. It's definitely not the snake. Yeah. So we said, okay, let's go get stones. We got stones and yeah, we had to be violent. We poked the snake with those two cobweb brooms, poked it, it started moving. We started stoning. Stoned, stoned, stoned. It was bruised a bit, used sticks, sticks, sticks. Oh, if they say sticks and stones, <laughs> I can't break my bones. <laughs> As in we surely, we dealt with it. And afterwards, we removed it. Now what I'm just trying to show you is there is a certain posture you must have when you are dealing with spiritual serpents. Yeah. And you have to be very, very violent to ensure that your family and your household is not bothered. And that's why in the next verse, look at what the Bible tells us. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Imwe. It's writing to each and every one of you and it's telling you that there is there's what is known as an evil day. There is what is known as an evil day for you. There is what is known as an evil day for you and I. We just don't know when that evil day comes. But it comes. Jesus had his evil day. His evil day started with a kiss. Yeah, from Judas. That's how it started. And that's how he was greatly punished and dealt with. Hallelujah. Some of you also have evil days. I mean, there, there could be some days, some of you, maybe you were sleeping. And that night, Banakufiantan three times, Mutulo. Eh? You perhaps had an evil day. Oh, it's like, Vakuko Wankache. There was a night a which followed me three times. Three times. Came at zero one, zero three, and zero four. I say, oh, okay. It was a day, surely. Amen and amen. 
Everyone has those evil days. But at the end of the day, you and I must come to take up the whole armor of God that you may withstand the evil day. Next verse. Stand therefore, having girded the waist with truth, having the, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Next verse. Having showed your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Next verse. This is the armor. Above all, taking the shield of faith. What does the shield of faith do? It says, with which you will be able to quench fairy darts of the wicked one. Next verse. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now I like verse 18 and 19. Then it tells you, now pray always. Someone say pray always. With all prayer. You've been taught pray always with all prayer. Ask your neighbor, how many prayers do you know? Because saying with all kinds of prayers. With all prayer, pray always. Then it says, and supplication in the spirit. Then it says, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. It simply means don't just pray for yourself. It means pray for the saints. Pray for the church community. It had said, especially for the, pray for them. Pray for, pray when you see your neighbor, pray for grace. Pray for Dikonka Pembwa. Pray for Azad. Pray. That's a responsibility you and I should have. Whenever you are inspired, just go, Shabrakatakata, Ebrada, Gada, Gada, Gada. I am praying for my brother. I am praying for my sister. Pray for them. Now, who was teaching this? It was Paul. And after he said, pray for all the saints. Have you noticed? He is a full stop. He can but to be continued. What does verse 19 say? And for me. <laughs> nine. <laughs> Please, nine. <laughs> there are many times Paul asked for prayer in the scriptures. One time he says, we wanted to come to you, but Satan hindered us. So he says, pray for me. That utterance may be given to me. That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. It simply means any servant of the Lord needs prayers. It's nice when you say, I thank you, pastor, that you've been praying for me throughout. I also want your prayers. How we need them. Glory to God. Hey, and it's something that I enjoy. I enjoy prayers. Because I, I don't know how people discern them. For me, when I have people praying for me, I feel this huge coat come over me. More of like a garment. So if I don't feel that garment and I know mm, people are not praying. <laughs> Hallelujah. So that's the importance of spiritual warfare, saints of God. But as you are dealing with spiritual warfare within the church community, you and I must come to a place to understand, but not just understand, uh, to properly practice the effectiveness of spiritual warfare. 
The Bible should be James 4, verse 6. Give it to me. It tells us how best you and I can handle spiritual warfare. Okay? It tells us how best you and I can, can, can handle spiritual warfare because, hey, if you think about it, sometimes we know that there are certain things that are fighting us. But our warfare is not really effective because of how we position ourselves to fight. Go to the next verse. Then verse 8. Now, the Bible says in James 4 verse 7, it says, Therefore, submit to God. Then what did it say? Resist the devil and he will do what? He will flee from you. Whenever we are teaching about warfare, we love to start from here. We love to teach people to resist the devil and he will flee. So we say, if anything is fighting you, just say, not me. I declare not my life. I declare not my family. I declare not this, not that, or what whatsoever. Now you need to understand <laughs> before we talk about before we talk about Satan fleeing we need to address how and why he came hello we need to address how and why he came give me Ephesians 4 verse 27 Ephesians 4, 27. <clears throat> it's not working? Okay, you'll find it. Now, in Ephesians 4, the Bible tells us, do not... Give the enemy a foothold. It simply means do not give the enemy an opportunity <sighs> to perhaps maybe bring it in another way or just for you to understand. It simply means come, Kapembo. It simply means if he is the enemy, the enemy will hang around me comfortably or with a legal right when, not when he comes, but rather when I give him a place. Hello? That's why the Bible says, no give place to the devil. And the Bible actually shows us there are many ways you can give place to the devil. Before that, it actually tells you how to manage your emotions and failure to manage your emotions is you actually giving a place to the devil. Now, here you are. You've, you are hanging on to your bad emotions. And then you give a place to the devil. Now, I want you to behave. And then you want to use the scripture by faith. Resist the devil and he will flee from you, right? 
Now, I want you to try to run away. Try to run away. He will flee from resist I, res- I resist you, Satan. I resist you, Satan. I resist you, Satan. But your emotions are still giving him a place. It simply means he's not going anywhere until you deal with that place that you have given him. A place must be occupied by somebody you submit to. That's why James 4 verse 7 told you before you say out, someone else should occupy the place. And that word says, submit to God. Then it goes on to say, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Praise be to God. You can't resist what you're submitting to. You can't resist what you're submitting to. <laughs> That's why certain people are in certain they are, they are in certain cycles. They are in certain cycles because they are still submitting and keeping certain things. They are still keeping certain traits. They are still keeping certain emotions. They are still keeping certain behaviors. They are still keeping certain people in their lives. So as long as you are submitting to those things, sit down before you say out. Change your submission. Hello. Yes. Change your submission. <laughs> I once had a time where um, somebody came for prayers and when they came for prayers we, we prayed for them a demon manifested we rebuked the demon and we told the person please follow God live your life this certain way are we sure they decided not to give heed and lived their life very dangerously and the demons came back why did they come back? They were given a place. They were given a place. That's why sometimes demons, have you ever noticed why from scripture, even Jesus said a demon is able to say, I will go back to my home. Why are they saying it's my home? You gave it the place. I'll go back to my home. Glory to God. And after we prayed for that person, uh, a few months later, they came back again. That was the first time. <laughs> that was the first time I'm praying for somebody and a demon manifests. And we both say, you again. Yes. I recognize the demon that I casted out years ago. And it also recognized me. You again. Naiwe. 
I tell you, the first time I did that deliverance case, um, I think it took about between five to ten minutes and the case was done. The second time after years, I was dealing with the same demon. It took one hour, 45, if not two hours. Out, 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 out. Voice queen, the man. Out, you are going, no, you are going, no. After two hours, the person was free. And I warned, should you come again with your tenant? <laughs> we are not going to do again that. Because the Bible says if you leave the place empty, the spirit will get seven other spirits. Which will even make your situation more worse. So it is important and vital that you and I come to a place that we diligently submit to God and deal with the enemy. Amen and amen. But remember, you must watch and what? Yes. Must watch and pray. The next thing that the, the scriptures, or rather, the next thing that we're looking at right now is one of the things that God has been constantly addressing in the church community. And this one is not necessarily warfare. We may, we, 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 after this, we may touch a bit of warfare. But this one has to do with welfare. It has to do with your well-being. God is interested in your well-being, saints of God. At least let's start from that. Let's start from there. God is very interested in your well-being. And so welfare really is the condition of your well-being. How are you doing? Are you fine? Are you good? Are you healthy? <laughs> Are you happy? Are you stressing? That's your well-being. Now, just as warfare has an impact on how you carry out certain things, even your well-being has an impact on you. Perhaps let me just give a, a, a few examples. If let's say you are uh, maybe like Jeremiah, who's able to carry this, this very strong speaker, helping the church every Sunday, carrying it to and fro, increasing in muscle, in size, and every other thing. And he's doing, he's diligently helping us. Now, if Jeremiah gets seriously ill, his well-being has been affected. And if his well-being is affected, his effort will be affected. It simply means the person we expected to carry the speakers will not be able to carry. Why? Why will he not be able to carry? Because the speakers are heavy for him and his well-being cannot support that demand. So God is interested in your well-being because he knows 
if your well-being is affected, there are certain things you will be unable to do for him and to do diligently. But also because he pleasures in seeing you okay. There's a mother here. Ask her, what happens when you see your child unwell? You're not happy. You won't become happy. Or even if you see, it may not even have to go to, to, to seeing your child, even just your own relative. You know that noisy person in the house. I'm a gamba, tap, tap. When they get sick, you just see them quiet. And then you'll be like, yeah. Your well-being is important. That's why, have you noticed there's a certain promise that God gives to the people and he says, with long life, I'll do what? I will satisfy you. Listen, it's not about, long, long life is not just what we want. We want satisfaction. Satisfaction is where your well-being is. Imagine living long but suffering. It's a challenge. Now in 3 John 2, God expresses his will towards the prosperity of mankind. He expresses his will towards the well-being of mankind. And the Bible says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Turn to your neighbor and say prosper. Turn to another neighbor and say prosper. So the Bible says, I pray that you may prosper in all things. And then it says, and to be in good health just as your soul prospers. Hallelujah. It simply means God wants you to be healthy. He wants you to prosper in all things, whether it is your academics, whether it's your workplace, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your relationships, everything he wants you to prosper. But at the end of the day, he also wants you to be healthy. He doesn't want you to... You are getting paid 90,000 kwacha salary, but then that 90,000 kwacha is, that, is what you are using for medical bills. That's, that, that proportion is a little bit out of order. So he wants you, okay, fine, if you're going to be getting 90,000 or whatsoever, your health should be good, but not just your health should be good, your soul, your soul. That's the realm that encompasses your mind, your will, your emotions, your mental health. Glory to God. Having one million in your bank account yet depressed. It's an irregularity that God sees and he says, uh-uh, we must address this. We must address this. So within the church community, because there are so many things going on, one of the ministries and one of the things the Spirit of the Lord does 
is to constantly minister to the well-being of people. That's why we have the ministry of the word and the spirit. Hallelujah. Ask your neighbor, how are you? How are you? How are you? Oh my God. Now, there are, I'll give you just a few people that were addressed within the church community in the time of Paul that their welfare had to be looked at. Number one is a man by the name of Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was a great laborer within the church at Philippi. In Philippians 2, should be verse 25, the Bible actually tells us how this guy, this guy used to provide needs to Apostle Paul through the church at Philippi. And unfortunately, he could not carry out what he needed to carry out because the man's well-being was threatened. Look at what it says. It says, yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier. Listen, when Paul is giving descriptions of people, and he adds this, this, that, it simply means mm, this one is a value to the church. Usually when you are a value to the work of God, you receive names. Fire. Dimo Muripo. Bebesha. You know, <laughs> so the Bible is telling us how this guy was a fellow worker, a fellow soldier, and he says, not just a fellow soldier, he says, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Eh, hey, so what happened to our brother? Next verse. Since he was longing for you all. And was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. Next verse. For indeed he was sick almost unto death. <laughs> it simply means the man became seriously ill. Soldier. He was seriously ill, almost to the point of death. And the Bible says, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also. That's Paul speaking. Lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So it simply means they had a pillar around them. That was not okay. And because he was not okay, it affected his ministry. It affected his efforts. That is why it's important when your well-beings are not okay, seek to be ministered to. 
Hello? Medical personnel will tell us, if you are not okay, what do you do? Rush where? They tell you, come early. But have you noticed the culture of many when they are sick, they want to sleep? Not that there's anything wrong with sleep, but that's their response. Their, their, their first response. They can't go on a job. When you need help, you need to be ministered to. Yes, and the ministry that you may receive from the hospital sometimes is not nice. They'll recommend five injections. Who likes to be injected? No one. <laughs> no one. They'll recommend... Someone once complained, why is, why, why is the powerful medicine very bitter? <laughs> you know? I don't know why. It's a mystery. But at the end of the day... That medicine is for your well-being. In the same way, within the church community, when your well-being is being threatened, seek to be ministered to. How, how, did, how did they know Epaphroditus is, is unwell? He went to visit Paul. Some of you almost taste death. And then you just come to testify here on Sunday. You didn't tell anyone. Ah, kuna sarafu says so, so. Ah, mungu no You can't say surely that muadwala or oh, you are unwell, so that somebody ministers to you. And the problem with many people who are having challenges with their well-being is that they expect anyone else to guess that they are not okay. So you didn't see from my status. Huh? I put a red moon. Ah. <laughs> Does that happen you can buy eclipse? <laughs> How we know? <laughs> or maybe or maybe you're talking about the end times. We won't know. When you have a mental or a well-being breakdown, do not treat the rest of the church community to be all-knowing. That's a position of God only. Not even prophets are all-knowing. Yes. That, that's, that's a highly esteemed position of God, to know everything. And then even though we perceive it sometimes, we ask you, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm fine. Ah. Some of you will have to insist. Are you sure? No, I'm okay, I'm okay. Look, I'm smiling. I'm okay. <laughs> Yet you need help. Turn to your neighbor and say, get help when you need help. Yes, get it. A man by the name of Epaphras. I talked about Epaphroditus. But there's another man by the name of Epaphras. Colossians chapter 4 verse 12. This one also dealt with the well-being of the people. He was a soldier. The Bible says Epaphras, who is one of you, 
a born servant of Christ, greets you always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Why? That you may stand perfect and complete and in all the will of God. Hallelujah. It simply means your well-being is important. Sometimes we understand there's something wrong with your well-being by how you express yourself. There are some people when they are sick or when they are tired, they become grumpy. Or they are highly irritable. Anyone who's standing... Chanyo, nkalapansi. Unchingiriza kazuba. But you are in the house. Akuchingiriza bonchi kazuba. Ah, we're sure. Their well-being is not okay. There are other people, if you've got pressure, if they have pressure, greeting them is a problem. They don't be greet, greeted. You're just saying, ah, my brother, how are you? Ah, mfuna nife. I just asked, how are you? The man has pressure. We understand his well-being is not okay. And because it's not okay, and you see, that's a challenge. If your well-being is not okay and you don't seek help, you will hurt others. You will affect others. You become dangerous. If you are broken, you don't seek help. That brokenness will make you a sharp talker, a sharp hurter again. Haven't you ever wondered when you, when, when you break a glass, what happens? It becomes more sharp. You want to handle it. It will, it will hurt you. Amen and amen. Now, that's where now we, you, we and you and I need to understand something. Usually when, you're, when your well-being has been affected, it is very difficult for you who's affected to see the possibility of your healing. Very, very difficult. What am I trying to say? Or maybe how, why, why do I mean? Have you noticed when you break a glass, just when you break a glass, logically, is it possible to fix a broken glass? Is it? It's not. What do you do with a broken glass? You throw away. That's the logical explanation and logical reasoning. But from the church community perspective and from the lens of scriptures, anything that is broken can be fixed. Anything that is broken can be fixed. Remember we had dead spirits. And Jesus and the word of the Lord in expression concerning that says, don't worry. I'm not going to mend or patch up those spirits that are dead. But it says, I will put a new spirit in thee. I will put a new spirit in thee. And he fixed us. He restored us. So while it looks impossible for your situation to be fixed, at least just go for help. You don't see the breakthrough. You don't see the possibility. 
but many sources that offer that help see the possibilities. So get help when you need help. By the way, as a church community, we do understand that you can be affected in the three realms of your humanity or who you are. Remember the Bible says that we are spirit, soul, and what? Body. We're a spirit who has a soul and obviously lives in a body. Your well-being can be affected in the soul level. That's your mental health, depression, whatsoever. That's in the soul level. But sometimes your well-being can be affected in the body level. That's sickness, pain, your back is paining, your body is not cooperating, you know. It's affecting you in the body level. But then there's a place where your well-being is also affected in your spiritual level. You lack appetite for the word of God. You lack zeal. It's been affected. Now, primarily, the way we help within the church community is through the hierarchy of the spirit, soul, and body. It simply means we start from what? We start from the spirit level. Then we go to the soul. Then we go to the body. Even in medical, even, even medical personnel will tell you, when you go to the hospital, there are certain fundamental tests that they will always do. It's not that they'll tell you, go and check your blood, go and do this, G give us this sample. There are certain fundamental tests that they'll always do. So that they can properly help you. In our walk with God, in the church community, we don't start from body level to help you. We start from spirit level. Why do we start from spirit level? It's because we understand the spiritual reality of things has great influence to affect the soul and the body. That's why we understand. Anything physical did not start physical. It was a spiritual idea. God said, let there be what? Light. Then light manifested. Light was not a physical manifestation before it was a spiritual idea. Hallelujah. It simply means manifested light cannot affect spiritual light. Maybe you've not gotten that. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is this. Why we deal with the hierarchy is because we know if we start from a spirit level, your spirit level can influence your soul and influence your body. But your body cannot influence your spirit. If you are healthy physically, does not automatically mean your spirit will be healthy. But I can show you this. If you are healthy spiritually, it can change the position of your body physically. Give me Proverbs 18, verse 14. 18, verse 14. 
Mandala basikiti pikiti kitikiti bis. The Bible says the spirit of man will sustain him what in sickness. The spirit of man will sustain him in sickness. But listen to this. It says, but who can bear a broken spirit? So it simply means here you are very much on fire for God with a powerful spiritual temperature. And then suddenly you get sick in your body. It simply means the welfare or the well-being of your body has been threatened. But your spiritual state is able to influence the condition of your body positively. I remember a time I was sick. I've given this example so many times. And I slept in my bed. When I slept in my bed, closed my eyes, I saw light. Not the light of God. That light when you know you're about to walk into another realm. And I said, hey, so I should, they, my, my people should just find me dead in bed. Ah, no. I woke up. I first told myself, Sinigona. <laughs> Sinigona. <laughs> and I, I, got to, I got to the word of God and I meditated on one scripture one and that scripture was that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me that same spirit that raises Jesus from the dead lives in me and I began to repeat it that same spirit that raises Jesus from the dead lives in me that same spirit that raised jesus from the dead lives and i shouted now and i said that same spirit that raised jesus from the dead lives in me and i was totally healed in that single moment my spirit influenced change in my body. The, your spirit can also influence change in your soul. You are worried about something. The Bible says, do not be anxious about anything. But through prayer and supplication, make your request made known to the Father. Then it says, then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. It's influencing a change. That's why, <laughs> I'll be honest, I'm not sure what formula you need. But if we introduce scripture to you in any form of challenge that you have, don't be offended. Someone says, me, I'm touched and you're giving me scripture. What will I do with scripture? What? You believers nowadays, you just like giving Bible verses. You want us to give what? We give you what? Jolly juice. 
Now why are we going to give you Bible verses? Because we understand the word of God is living. It is active. It is powerful. Sharper than any double-edged sword. Dividing the soul from the spirit. It's able to, it's able to do... My goodness. It's able to help your spirit. It's able to help your body. Praise be to God. Now, have you observed even from, from Proverbs 17 verse 22, it tells us something. It tells us that listen to this. It says, a merry heart, a happy spirit does good like medicine. A joyful spirit, a joyful heart does good like medicine. But look at what it says. It says, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Are the bones of the spirit? No. The bones are for the body. It simply means your condition of the spirit will affect the condition of your body. Uh, listen, listen to this very, very well. Now I do understand why even God, when he was talking about beauty, he says, I would prefer a gentle and quiet spirit than someone who puts makeup or wigs. It simply means here you are, you are beautiful inside. I'm telling you, if you are beautiful inside, outside it will manifest as well. Some people look like the way they look inside. And you're wondering, why I only got your phone on it, you so. Why? It's because inside there's no beauty, no beauty, no joy, nothing. Even a, even a beautiful person. We will not look beautiful if inside they are not beautiful. I'm telling you. I am telling you this. <laughs> in short, <laughs> in short, we are not wrong when we tell you follow the heart. I'm telling you. We are not wrong when we tell you follow the heart. No. Because when you follow the heart, ah, you'll be like, okay, this is a gentle, quiet spirit, beautiful. After you see the heart, I'm telling you, when you look at the face, the face will be, you'll be, you'll be like, hey, this was made for me. Whether the forehead is like this, you'll be like, I like the the rectangle of that forehead. Wow. It matches up with what I want. It, it was the heart. I'm, it, it's the heart, I'm telling you. You like the complexion, whether the complexion is like midnight. You'll be like, oh my God. This, this is bone of my bone, flesh. That's what will happen. 
Now, if you just follow physical looks and you don't attribute anything to the heart, it's a problem. It's a problem. You want to, you want to just the physical beauty as your priority. That's a big problem. It's a very big problem. I will tell you this. Even the most beautiful girls are getting divorced nowadays. Why are they getting divorced? They thought their complexion will keep their marriage. It's here. That joyful spirit. That beautiful spirit. Praise be to God. All in all, it is vital for you and I to get help when you need it. In Acts 20 verse 32, we were given a recommendation. And the recommendation is, guys, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to give you an inheritance which is able to build you up. Are you seeing what you are commended and what you are recommended to? You are recommended to God and the word of his grace. It simply means when your well-being is being threatened, your first recommendations are what? God and the word of his grace. Those are the first recommendations. Don't sideline the power of God. Don't sideline the power of God's word. In the book of Proverbs, it says, My son, give heed to my voice. Incline your ears to my sayings, for they that find them find life and health. You can't ridicule the power of God's scriptures concerning your well-being. You can't. The disciples said to Jesus, Where can we go? Because you have the words of life. Where can we go? You have the words of life. And Jesus says, yes, my words are spirit and they are life. So if I have a well-being challenge, whether in my body, in my soul, in my spirit, I need to get back to the Lord. I get back to the word of his grace and have him build me. Have him remove me from all forces of darkness. Have him remove me from depression. Have him remove me from anxiety. Have him remove me from fear. Have him to remove me from things that affect my life. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Have the Lord Jesus Christ involved in your well-being. Have him involved in all that concerns you. He is interested in your welfare. He is interested in your well-being. And there are so many people right now. Some of you are dealing with hurt. Some of you are dealing with suffering. Maybe the hurt that you are dealing with is hurt coming from your home. Maybe the hurt that you are dealing with is hurt that is coming from your past. 
Maybe the hurt that you're dealing with is a hurt that has been initiated in this present time by loved ones or whatsoever. I want to encourage somebody that have Jesus involved. Have him penetrate your life. Have him deal with your well-being. We need you strong. We need you back on your feet. Because if you can come back to a place where you are restored, you, we know the advantage you will bring to the kingdom of God. But not only that, seeing you happy will be a pleasure. Amen and amen. Some of you are dealing with condemnation because of the past that you had. Listen, get back to the word of God. Remember the Bible says there is no condemnation to they that are in Christ. The Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us for all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Any place of being unwell, saints of God should point you back to God. Why should it point you back to God? Because God is the one that sets the standard of your well-being. He is the one who sets a healthy standard for your well-being. He's the one who said when he created you, you are good, you are beautiful. And when we fell from our place of beauty or fell from our place of a healthy standard the lord jesus christ himself came and in isaiah 53 the bible tells us he was wounded for our transgressions he was beaten for the sake of our peace he was crushed for our sake and the bible says by his stripes we are healed by his stripes we are healed. It simply means when you're dealing with your well-being, there's a place of taking away the pain that is healing, but there's also a place of restoration. Listen, taking away the pain can be initiated easily by different sources, but restoration is only the work of God. Only God can restore you. Only God can deal with you in such a place where you are like a leper who's lost your fingers. And then the process of losing the fingers can be dealt with through healing. But only Jesus Christ can restore those fingers that you lost again. Only Him. Only Him creates systems of restoration. Only Him. I love a commentary somebody made. And they said, God was very deliberate when he was dealing with Samson. He didn't put the strength, the secret of the strength in his hands. He didn't put the secret of Samson's strength in the nose. Or he didn't put the strength or the secret of Samson's strength in the clothes. But he instead, he put the secret of Samson's strength in the hair. Why? Hair can grow back again. 
he put it in a place where he knows ah but i have systems of restoration that i've placed on mankind that hair can grow again and when it grows again samson can rise up and say dear lord remember me again arise again and give me strength to fight i came to speak to somebody that if your well-being has been threatened i can recommend you back to god who has the words of life i can recommend you back to god who can restore you who died for your sake to deal with your brokenness that you may be healed saints of god you will be amazed that the lord jesus christ came for this sake to restore us to deal with our well-being no wonder when he began to teach and help people out there the bible tells us that in one moment jesus was walking and when he was walking there was a woman who had the issue of blood while she had the issue of blood the bible says she waited for years she spent all her fortune she spent all her resources nothing worked out she did everything she could she tried her best the blood was not stopping there was no restoration whatsoever but she heard of a man by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth who was walking on one time and as he was walking she saw him and says that is my breakthrough that is where my miracle is that is where my advantage is that is where my restoration is and she proposed in her heart saying if only i can just touch him please let me just touch jesus i know my touching is a connection to the life of god if only i touch jesus my matter will be settled and she rushed with him rather rushed towards him and as she went towards the lord jesus christ the bible says there were people that were pressing against jesus but for her its operation touched the lord jesus christ even though i am bleeding even though i am in pain i must touch jesus and when she touched jesus it was settled immediately the bible says her bleeding stopped why don't we give a hand to the lord jesus christ her bleeding stopped and jesus noticed that something happened and he says someone touched me someone touched me and someone and the disciple said lord there are many people who are touching you listen peter i know what i'm saying i know when someone touches me you were only bumping against me when someone touches me a transaction takes place i release they receive and the person says it is i lord i touched you and i am well and jesus said my daughter rise up only my systems can make you whole she says he said your faith has made 
you whole. Only, only Jesus can make you whole. Only Jesus. Wholeness is complete restoration. <laughs> it's complete restoration. It simply means she is not just going back home with the healing. Remember there was money that she had lost. Remember there were resources that she has lost. But because she touched Jesus, she is not going to just pick up healing. She is going back with resources. She is going back with everything she had lost, including her money. Only Jesus can make you whole. That's why he said in Luke chapter number 4, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the good news, but also to heal the broken. Are you broken? Are you tired? Are you overwhelmed? Jesus says, Oh, who are weary and heavy laden? Come, 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 come. I will give you rest. Take my burden. It is light. And another moment, the Bible tells us Jesus is walking and he's walking with his disciples. Suddenly, a man by the name of Bartimaeus, who has no eyes, who has not seen, begins to shout the name of Jesus. And he says, Son of David, have mercy upon me. I beg of you, have mercy upon me, Son of David. But you see, I want you to understand that in every opportunity that we have to reach out to Jesus, there will always be what is known as a discouraging factor. For the woman with the issue of blood, what was discouraging is, what if I run and I'm bleeding and people will see me? So let me just go home. She shows, ah, it's okay whether I bleed in here as long as I touch Jesus. Sometimes there are people that are surrounding Jesus and you want to touch him. But because people are surrounding Jesus, you'll be like, hey, what am I going to do about it? But Meas had a similar challenge. The man called for Jesus, but he wouldn't know which Jesus was if he knew he wanted to touch Jesus. Because he had never seen Jesus. So even though he stands up and says, I want to touch Jesus, I want Jesus, I want Jesus. His disadvantage is that he has never seen Jesus. But his other disadvantage is that the people that are surrounding Jesus are saying, shut up. You are making noise for the master. They are saying, shut up. Remain in your situation. Listen. Today we forbid you to remain in your situation. We forbid you to remain in your brokenness. We forbid you to remain in your depression. We forbid you to remain in your sickness. But what you must do, like blind Bartimaeus, is call on Jesus and say, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on my family. Have mercy on my education. Have mercy on my health. And the Bible says, Jesus gave attention. He gave attention to Bartimaeus and asked a question. What do you want me to do? Listen. When you go to the Lord, 
already have a petition that you want. But Mayas was already decided with what he wanted. He didn't say, I want money. He didn't say, no, 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 give, give me a lift. He didn't say, no, 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 give me some kafood, please. He demanded for what he needed. And he says, Jesus, I want to see again. Some of you, when you go before the Lord, you want to behave so humble. You want to say to yourselves, oh Lord, I have come before you. You are the one who gives and the one who takes away. Whatever you want to give me, give me. When it's not yet my time, okay, Lord, whatever, just give me whatever. No, 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 no. As long as it is according to the will of God, as long as it is according to the scriptural provisions for your sake, it is due for you to receive when Jesus said it is finished. Yes. And the Bible tells us, Jesus ministered to him and Bartimaeus saw again. But when he saw again, Jesus made the statement again and he said, your faith has made you whole. I came to talk and speak to somebody here that if there is wholeness that you are believing for, if there is completion that you are believing for, if there is brokenness that has dominated your life, sickness that has bothered your body, troubles that has dominated your life, poverty that has surrounded your destiny, it's time today to touch Jesus and bring an end to those things, to bring an end to those sufferings, for Jesus came for your sake, not so that you can suffer again, but so that you can live again, so that you can rise again, so that you can be a testimony, so that you can be a witness. And this is what was happening in the church community. A man was seated by the temple court of beautiful, seated there, crippled, helpless, and when the disciples saw him, the man asked for money. And the disciples corrected his prayer point. They said, brother, you're not supposed to be asking for money. Let us correct your prayer point. You, your well-being is that you need to rise again from that feet. So silver and gold, right now we don't have to give you. Because what you need is what we have within us. And they say, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise from your feet and be able to walk, be able to jump again. We need you because that is the man who will go with his miracle. And as he is jumping, as he is walking, as he is praising God, people will look at him and say, This man, ah, 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 ah. this man never used to walk, this man never used to do things, this man just used to ask for nothing. But how come he is jumping today? And the man will say, I tell you, Jesus did it for me. Jesus did it for me. I am here to tell you that your victory in your well-being stands as a testimony to glorify Jesus and to make him known 
in this generation. And so if you were sick and you went to a doctor and the doctor said it is impossible for you to give birth to a child, <laughs> you know what to do? Run to Jesus so that he gives you that miracle then run back to the doctor because when you go to the doctor with your miracle you are standing as a witness and as a recipient declaring that jesus is lord declaring that jesus is the healer declaring that jesus is mighty declaring that jesus is the deliverer somebody shout jesus There is no need to walk in a standard that the Lord Jesus has not provided for you. And so, children of God, always know that it is God's desire to have you lifted. Always know that it is God's desire to have your well-being helped. These are the activities of the church community. Why don't we rise to our feet?